Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello listeners, welcome to this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast with me, Phil Kittrimelides, and as ever, Sid Lowe. Hello, Sydney. Good morning, Phil. Hello, it is morning. We are not used to recording in the morning, but Sid was writing his column until quarter to five in the morning, which means that he's got his column for The Guardian out of the way and he has a whole day available to podcast. And we might need the whole day, Sydney, to... To talk about what's happened. <laughs> we might, yeah. Yes. Yeah, we might. Yes. Not so much about um, the nil-nil draw between Real Sociedad and Raya Vallecano, but... Oh, really? Yeah. I've I, I just done all my prep on that game. I've got, I've got mountains of information here for you. We don't need to dwell on that, but we really should dwell on the fact that, as you probably know, Barcelona manager Xavi Hernandez announced that he would be leaving at the end of the season after his side were beaten 5-3 at home by Villarreal. Uh, we are going to dwell on this because it is obviously a, a massive story. We're going to try and um, go deep on it. But before we do that, let's tell you what happened in the other games on Match Day 22 uh, because there were other fixtures and it would be remiss of us not to at least mention the scores. Uh, Friday night saw Alaves beat Almeria by three goals to nil. Almeria remain bottom of the table, 11 points from safety on course for the lowest points tally in La Liga history. And Alaves have won three games in a row, rather surprisingly. Then on Sunday, that really quite boring game between Real Sociedad and Rayo Vallecano. Rayo uh, didn't manage a shot on target. They've not scored in six of their last seven games. The only game that they did score in was against Getafe, who played with nine men for most of the match. So Rayo not looking great. Uh, Real Sociedad making changes and drawing nil-nil. Then Real Madrid went to Las Palmas without Jude Bellingham, who was suspended. And they had to come from behind to beat the Canarian side 2-1. Vinicius Junior and Aurelian Chamini scoring after Javi Munoz had put the hosts ahead. Then we had that game at Montjuic with Villarreal. Uh, becoming the first team since uh, Real Zaragoza in 1994-95 season to score five goals away at Barcelona, uh, certainly domestically at least. Uh, really quite extraordinary scoreline. And that and that was in the cup. I think I think I think that was in I the Super Cup. That yes. In the league, yeah, yes. the, in the league, it's the first time in over 60 years. Wow. Okay. Yes, it doesn't often happen. Uh, Villarreal beating Barcelona uh, 5-3. Uh, Gonzalo Guedes 
amongst the scorers for the yellow submarine. Uh, and then on Saturday night, Betis beating Mallorca by a goal to nil. Uh, Sunday saw uh, Girona stay top of the table. They're a point clear of Real Madrid after beating Celta Vigo 1-0. Uh, Cadiz and Athletic Club played out a goalless draw. Uh, Sevilla really just cannot get going under Kike Sanchez-Flores. They finished 1-1 at home to Osasuna. And Atletico Madrid beat Valencia by two goals to nil. Samuel Lino, after a magnificent assist from Antoine Griezmann, just on the stroke of half-time, and Memphis Depay in the second and half giving Atleti all three points. Monday night football is a big one, which you will be in attendance for, Sid. I do hope. Katafe against Granada. <laughs> Are you reconsidering? I'll be there. Well, I, I actually, to be honest, I am reconsidering because I have something I have to do this evening, which means I might have to leave it early. And there's yes. a bit of me that thinks going to Getafe Granada is bad enough, but going to kind of 65 or 70 minutes of Getafe Granada yes. is like really, really, I mean, it's not just platinum, is it? That's, 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 Treble platinum membership of the uh, of the. Uh, I, well, I, I was going to call it just the Sad Bastards Club. Then, to be honest, <laughs> no, the Spanish Football Lovers Club, Sydney. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Uh, well, it'll be very on brand for you to go to the first sixty minutes of uh, Getafe Granada. Yeah. So I'm expecting that to uh, happen this evening. Right to that big news, then, Chavi, uh, saying that he's leaving Barcelona at the end of the season. I've just been going back and listening to the press conference that he gave. Um, didn't manage to get through all of it because you sent me the Zoom link to, to start recording, but I'd listened to about Oh, eight... sorry. I, I, sh- okay. I should have waited for you. Not at all. Not at all. I think I heard everything I needed to hear. It was the second time anyway. And I was doing a, I was doing a SID. Do you know what I was doing, Sid? Oh, were you? Were you counting? Were you counting count minutes or ver- certain words? How many times certain words were said? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Good yes, work. Yeah, no, no. I like it. Do you know what I was counting? Can you guess the phrase that I was counting that he used repeatedly? Um... I'm going to go for um, something see. like Cambio de Dinamico that's or something it, like that. That's it. That was it, Sid. Wow. That was it. God, we have been working together almost daily for the last 11 years, haven't we? Um, we're really on the same page. Yes, Cambio de Dinamica. And at the time, at the time, which means change of dynamic, change of sort of direction, change of sort of, you know. Um, at the time uh, that I stopped listening to the uh, press conference, he'd said it over 20 times. Change of dynamic. Cambio de dinamica. I'm doing this because the team needs a cambio de dinamica. My question to you, Sid, and it's a question we've been trying to ask, if the team so desperately needs a change of dynamic, which, you know, maybe you can make an argument for, why leave at the end of the season and not now? Yeah, uh, and and I think that's uh, I mean there, there are obviously so many elements to build into this. So so you know rest assured, dear listener, that we will we will try and get to all of them. But this is I think this is a good place to start. Um, the first thing, obviously, here is is to say that they, they certainly do need a change of some sort, yes. and they needed uh, a cambio de dinamica at the very least in terms of results. And of course, in order for that to happen, then other things have to change for, for that to be the, the net outcome. Now, there are some things that are incidental. There are some things that are very deep and very profound. But if you as a coach are projecting your departure as a key part of the Cambio Dinamica, then your departure has to happen. Hmm. And it hasn't happened. Um, now, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be completely dismissive of that idea because I think part of it is about saying, okay, look, all of the noise around my future, all of the questions about my future, all of the doubts the players might have about what happens um, from the summer onwards, they end by saying this, even if I don't go yet. And I, and I, I have 
I, I'm not entirely won over by that argument, but I, I have a degree of sympathy for it. I, I have, or at least I have a degree of understanding of it. And I think that there is um, something in that. And Chavi made the point. He described this as, and this is, this is where I want to take this. He described this as being something that might help to liberate the players, to give them the, the calmness, the tranquility that, that, that they need to, to, kind of, to, to kind of take some of the pressure off and, and to play better. He talked about the players playing under pressure. There was another word he used, which was blockiado, mm. blocked. You know, there was kind of a mental block. They couldn't get through this and that this would liberate them from that. I think there's a little bit of merit to that. I'm not entirely, again, I'm not entirely convinced by it because I think, I think really and truly, if you want to liberate the players, if you think your departure is a liberating um, factor for the players, then you depart. You don't just say, I'm going to depart. But I do think it is true that for some players, at least this clarifies things. For some players, I think it says to them as well, quite honestly, I think it says to them, listen, if you don't like me, if you're not happy with this, basically it says, shut up and get on with it because you've only got to put up with it for four months. I think there's a degree of that. There's a degree of saying, stop moaning because this is coming to an end. Now it's your responsibility. It's on you. We get to the end of the season. Now, the reason I want to go in this direction and use the word liberators is because I think what it actually does is it's not so much about liberating them as liberating him. And if you like, liberating the noise. Yes. Now, I don't think it entirely liberates him because, and you know, we'll come on to this in a minute, it, it, perhaps in a bit more depth, because he was talking about the pressure that's puts on him. He even, he even mentioned mental health and the kind of the tension and stuff. And this is a liberation for him. Now, I think for it to be a full liberation for him, again, he has to go rather than wait. But I do understand much more so that idea that if you say it, it does take some of the weight from you because it is, if you like, your decision, which you've been mulling over for a while. He says he took the decision quite a few days ago. Whether he took it or he was just thinking about it, it was there and it was weighing upon him. And saying it openly does help. Why does it help? Because it makes everybody else kind of participants in it. It, it, it says, right, this is happening. It's clear now. The other thing I think it does, and I think this is a really big part of a lot of what Chavi's saying, is it effectively says, stop asking me questions. Stop going on about it. Stop trying to push for me to be sacked or trying to suggest that maybe I should go or trying to... That is happening now. It might not happen just yet, but it is happening. So just calm down, leave it. In a few months, it'll happen. And I do actually think that is true. I don't think it's the full liberation that it would be if you say, right, I'm going, it's gone, it's happened. But I do think there is a degree that says, all right, stop asking me about this. Stop making this the focus. Let's get on with just playing the games. And, and I think that's where the real liberation is. I think this is more about liberating Xavi and changing the, his sense of his lived experience mm. than it is necessarily about changing, um, if you like, the, the purely footballing side of things. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I think that the starting point is if what you're talking about is a change of direction, but you don't actually make the change, you just say the change is coming. I'm not entirely sure that you get it, mm. but I do think you take a step towards it. I think, I, or at least I think there's the potential for you to take the step towards it. For what it's worth, by the way, I think there's also for the, the potential for the wheels to come off entirely mm. for the opposite to happen. Absolutely. For, for there to be a sense, well, you're going anyway, mate. Yeah. So your authority, and, and this is another issue which I'm sure we'll get onto, Chavi's authority, which has already been undermined, I would argue, repeatedly, I think is now potentially even more undermined, except for one thing, that there is no need to undermine it in, in terms of seeking, if you like, uh, a final outcome, which is his departure, because you know you're getting that anyway. Yes, yes. All right, well, let's try and... 
Let's try and understand how we got here. Remember, Barcelona are the reigning La Liga champions. They won La Liga yeah. last season, finishing 10 points clear of Real Madrid. They would have won by more, but they lost three of their last four games because yes. they'd already wrapped yeah. up uh, the title. They were very, very comprehensive champions uh, last season. And yet, uh, here we are, uh, five, six months later, uh, with uh, Xavi saying the words, the feeling of being coach of Barcelona is cruel and unpleasant. There's a lot yeah. of disrespect and it affects you physically and mentally. Um, there's a lot to sort of try and break down there and try and help us understand how we got to here from where we were in the summer. You spoke about him being him being undermined, which he has been on a couple of clear occasions, which we can get into in a moment. Is it worth reminding us or reminding ourselves of the fact that he wasn't Joan Laporta's first choice to be manager. He wasn't on the Laporta ticket in terms of the presidential elections. In fact, he said that Xavi wasn't going to be uh, manager. Xavi was aligned with Victor Font, who was um, a different presidential candidate. So starting from there, it's not like Xavi was Laporta's guy. And maybe no. that can help us to understand how uh, things certainly in terms of the relationship with the, the board and, and that might have gone off a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that's, that's an important part of this and I think that, that shouldn't be ignored. Let's just begin with the basics, by the way, which is that I was really struck and actually quite saddened in a way, although I'm, I'm not so naive as to not know that this is the case. And of course, we had even had the example of Jurgen Klopp a couple of days before. But for Xavi to talk about this job which I think we can't. I think we can't go beyond. We, we we can't ignore something very very basic here, which is this is Xavi's everything. Mm. Right? There, there's no two ways about this. Barcelona is Xavi's club. Being Barcelona manager, once he decided he was going to be a manager, because actually at one point in his career he didn't want to be manager. He talked, in fact, about maybe running the youth system at Barcelona, which is a very different emotional. Um, Project, I suppose, for want of a better word. That's a very bad word to have used, but you know what I mean? A very different emotional job or emotional commitment or whatever. I I mean, fundamentally, when I heard him talk about it as being cruel and unpleasant, a lack of respect, a sense that your work isn't appreciated, my first thought was, that's really quite sad. Yeah. This is his everything. That's really quite sad. And And I think there are questions to be asked about the pressure that managers are put under and put themselves under. Um. The next stage of that is to say, but of course, Xavi knows that. He has seen managers who were extraordinarily successful at Barcelona, both Pep Guardiola and Luis Enrique, won trebles of Barcelona. And both of them, when they left, talked in terms of exhaustion, mm. in terms of pressure, in terms of needing to break from this. So, you know, he's forewarned. And as a player, he had seen it. Um now let's get to the next stage. He'd also seen the, the, the kind of the media pressure that goes with it. When he talks about this, and this is a, trust me, I'm segueing into what you, how you projected this to start with. I'm, I'm not going off in a different direction, but I, I think it's worth kind of building into it. He's talked a lot, hasn't he? And, and I think at times in a, in a, in a not particularly sensible way, but, but you know, that's just my personal opinion about the press's influence, about the negativity around the club, about the media and about all those sorts of things. I completely understand that. Well, you're talking about a manager, by the way, who has sat in more than 250 press conferences at a club that has the Negreda case, the Palancas, the, the, as well as the footballing things. You, you're effectively exposed and forced to be the spokesman of a club because other people aren't doing it, mm. of things that are not about you. 
and the pressure that puts on you, quite apart from the footballing thing. But of course, he knows this. He knows this comes with Barcelona. But the, the, th- the key thing here is he has projected this as, if you like, kind of external pressure, mm. as the outside of this, the entorno, that famous word, the entourage, the swirl of, of noise and politics and media and exposure that goes with being Barcelona manager. Now, he's not stupid. Mm. He knows that that's not purely external. That a lot of that pressure is, and here we come to what you were talking about, a lot of that pressure comes from inside. He knows that that criticism, although he doesn't want to say so publicly for all sorts of good reasons and some slightly less good reasons, that pressure comes from inside as well. That yes, the media makes stuff up. Yes, the media winds stuff up. Yes, the media sometimes has, has an agenda. Yes, individual journalists maybe can be over-aggressive on certain things or can, can chase things down that aren't true. But things don't happen entirely in a vacuum, entirely in isolation. Fundamentally, they don't happen in isolation from your footballing results. But the other thing, as you've started by saying, is they don't happen in isolation of all of the things around you. Chavi knows that when some of the criticism come out, they have come from people on the board. Mm. He knows that some of those criticisms have come from inside. He knows that he goes into this, even though he had a good relationship with Laporta, and he genuinely did, by the way, um, from being a player... But that he was, as you say, not really Laporta's man. Laporta was a little bit reluctant to turn to him, which, by the way, he's perfectly entitled to be. That there was a slight sense that I'm not sure if this is the right man. There was d- doubts about whether Xavi was sufficiently experienced. And by the way, those are doubts that I think most of us shared. Mm. Um, and I think Xavi knows that some of these criticism is not actually about the media. But it's useful to blame something external, even if you know it's being filtered from within at times. Some of it, not all of it. Um, and I think that pressure is there. And we talk about this in terms of the support that you feel like you're getting. Here's another element of this. Under Laporta, the sporting director has changed. Yep. The director of football has changed. Yep. The CEO has changed. Um, I, I, I looked it up the other day. I think it's nine major directorial posts have changed under Laporta. So there's an instability there as well. You have a new sporting director, De- Deco, and there will be people who who are reluctant to say this. But Deco isn't the man that Xavi would have chosen to work with. No. And quite honestly, Xavi is not the man that Deco would have chosen to work with. Mm. But that's fine. It doesn't mean it can't work. But some of those complicities have not always been there. And of course, then when results start to escape you, and this is the fundamental fact in all this, then some of those complicities become weaker. And yes, Xavi knows that he wasn't Laporta's guy. And mm. and that, even if it shouldn't impact upon you, and even if it doesn't impact on, upon you in terms of the practicalities of what you do daily, of course, emotionally it does. Of course it does. We spoke about him being undermined. I think it, fe- it felt like the writing was on the wall from the the final Champions League game from the group stages, yes. the, uh, the Antwerp game, when Barcelona were already through to the knockout stages. Xavi wants to rest some of his key players. So, um, it was Lewandowski, Gundogan, and Frankie de Jong. Uh, who was it? Those yeah. three who weren't who were no, left. No, Araujo. And Araujo, Araujo, sorry, no, Araujo. Yeah, so yeah. Lewandowski, um, Gundogan, and Araujo left out of the squad to travel to uh, Antwerp for essentially a meaningless game. But it wasn't meaningless to the club because there was a couple of million euros up for grabs for prize money. And so the match day squad is changed, and those three players yeah. are included. They play, they lose anyway. But it does very much feel like Xavi's. Um, Chavi has been severely and quite publicly undermined there. Yeah, and that's the key, isn't it? It's the public part of it. Mm. It's the fact that this gets played out publicly. And then, then of course, everybody kind of scrambles to to sort of say, no, it's okay. And, and then when they do that, because not everyone's on the same page, 
the <laughs> that the if you like the answers they give don't necessarily fit. And so no. you have this thing of Chavi saying, "Oh, it's a club decision," and then Deco says, "No, it's all about the manager." Yeah. And when you're a manager and you feel that you're not getting that support from above, and this is probably true, by the way. In fact, it is true. I think of of any business, of any enterprise, of any institution. If there isn't that sense of the support from above and below, and the manager is the person who, of course, has got the most pressure from both sides. Yes. From below, in theory, the players, although that below is is probably in speech marks because players are very powerful and players can, if you like, skip that middle management, if you like, and go to the top and from the top down and as well as from, from the bottom up. And there's a huge amount of pressure there and managers can feel very isolated. And I think managers very, very often do feel very isolated. Very briefly, by the way, on this media thing, this year, Xavi has employed his own media manager, mm. not just the club's ones, in part, I think, because of an awareness of the pressure and trying to control that sound and that noise with someone of his own. Mm if you see what I mean, mm. someone of his own. Um, whether or not that's been successful, obviously, is, is, a, is a different question. So, so there's that. The other thing that I thought about in terms of this, this, this expression of authority or, or the lack thereof or the undermining of it is, uh, I can't remember when it was. I think it's about two weeks ago, isn't it, when there was that um, meeting with Laporta and the players at the training ground. Mm. And Laporta and Xavi and the players at the training ground, they've got the players sitting there in one of those kind of conference rooms. And they're all sitting at desks and it looks like a bunch of naughty schoolboys in front of the headmaster. <laughs> and the problem isn't necessarily that that meeting happens. It's that this meeting is then, the photographs of it are put out publicly. Yes. So it reinforces that. And look, trust me, I've spoken to players who've been in that position before, actually, funnily enough, at the other club, at Real Madrid. Right. And this happened in, at Real Madrid, it happened in what, 2005 or six, I think. And there's a very famous photograph of the players sitting there with Florentino kind of giving them uh, a speech and I think there's a I can't remember which manager it was it might be Luxembourg sort of standing there looking like he's not relevant the players sitting there thinking what is this that doesn't go down well mm -hmm. it's not something players or managers particularly appreciate and I don't think there's any doubt that Xavi has felt that that degree of autonomy and and of authority hasn't always been reinforced for him when it needed to be okay What's the next step then for uh, Barcelona? Because they'll be looking for uh, a new manager. You mentioned him earlier on in the podcast, Jurgen Klopp leaving Liverpool. I don't think we can put two and two together and, and make Klopp for Barcelona. Um, <laughs> we, def no. we definitely can't. No, no we, we definitely, definitely can't. can't. But uh, yeah, well, who, who are they going to bring in? Because it's, it's not as appealing a job as it once was, obviously because of the... Um, nature of the club on the pitch but off the pitch as well it's such a difficult situation to go into that it's um it's hard to imagine a, an elite international manager coming into this and thinking yeah I I really do fancy this obviously they're still a draw and it's still Barcelona and they you know they are still a massive club but if I feel like the it, the more likely situation is to maybe get us Spanish manager who's currently in La Liga who still sees Barcelona as a massive step up and maybe someone like Mitchell from Girona, because trying to get someone else, you know, trying to get Klopp, it just feels like that's never going to happen. I must admit, I'm a little bit more optimistic than you from okay. Barcelona's point of view. Um, and let's start with something, by the way, which, which we haven't really picked up on in the analysis of Xavi, which I think is part of the analysis of any incoming manager. Uh, we've talked about some of the difficulties Xavi's had. Um, in particular, I'm struck by that kind of that sense of sadness that someone for whom Barcelona was his everything, someone who won the league title, someone who did succeed last year. I think the starting point for, for any analysis is also the results are genuinely terrible this year. 
And the football is genuinely terrible this year for the most part. Not always, but it really hasn't been very good. And so for all of the other things, there is a footballing element here, which is that this has not been very good. And I think any potential manager who is going to come in will look at this and will analyse this. And I think a lot of coaches will look at this and think, do you know what? They're underachieving considering the squad they've got. For all of those other issues, for all of those doubts you might have, for all of the financial problems, for all of the questions about um, intromission, is that a real word in English? I think it is. Interference, I suppose, in, in, in your work. For all that sense that maybe you feel like your hands are tied as a Barcelona manager, this isn't a terrible squad. I think there's some holes in it, and in particular in deep midfield, and I think we've seen the importance of the absence of both Gavi and Ter Stegen. I think those have been huge injuries for Barcelona, possibly bigger than they should have been. But I still think an incoming manager analyses this squad and thinks this team is underachieving with the squad it's got. That Xavi is underachieving with the squad he has got. That Xavi has made mistakes. That Xavi, who is this ideologue, who is this guy who talks about Barcelona's DNA, there's no real evidence of that when they play, or not very much real evidence of that when they play. And so I think a manager can look at this and think, actually, I could do more with this squad than is being done at the moment. And I, and I don't want our analysis of the problems at Barcelona to, if you like, excuse Xavi from any blame because this isn't a good team and, and he hasn't made it a good team. And actually it's regressed from last season, partly because I think they've tried to do something a bit different, a bit more Chavian for want of a better word, and it hasn't worked. And we talked a lot last year about how they won the league title in a way that was unusual, was not really Chavi style, that actually in part, and we looked at the XG statistics, for example, and the number of saves that Ter Stegen made, and the number of 1-0s, which was basically a third of their victories last year were 1-0, and we felt that there was something there that was kind of waiting to break, even though they won the league so well. And then this year, they haven't played well. So I think a manager who is going to come in will look at that and think, actually, there are things that can be achieved. This is a Barcelona team, by the way, that spent 250 million euros in transfer fees since Xavi has been coached. It's had a huge overhaul of players. Admittedly, if you're a manager now, you're thinking, and they haven't resolved their financial problems, and the problem is still terrible, and probably they're not going to be able to buy very much, and they're going to have to sell. But how easy is it to sell? Answer, not at all easy. But I think a manager will look at it and think, there is the basis of a good team there. He will look at some of the young players and think, there's something I can do there that will be my success, even if Xavi's given those kids uh, their first games at the club, that I have something to mould, I have something to construct. The other thing is, and you mentioned this, is it still Barcelona? Uh, I remember having a conversation with Jordi Cruyff when Cruyff was in, and he's another one that's left, by the way, Mm. and there are reasons why he's left. Having a conversation for an interview with Cruyff, um, I think it was after the winter window, presumably in that first season when he'd signed Adama Traore and, and a handful of other players. I think Abama Yang. Did he sign Fran at that period? I think it was that, that window, wasn't it? Anyway, and, and he sort of said, look, there are problems at this club and we know that. We know we're going to players and asking them effectively to take a pay cut quite often. But genuinely, it's still Barcelona. People still, you know, when you pick up the phone and say, would you like to come to Barcelona? People still want to. And okay. if you listen to, there's a, and I think it's true of coaches as well. Okay, so If you listen so to that who? quote from, to, go on. So who? Okay, so who? Well, we listened, we listened to Thomas Tuchel the other day say that Spain is very attractive to him. He's someone that, that Laporta wants. Laporta has wanted, I said that Laporta wants, sorry, that's the wrong phrase. Um, is it? That Laporta likes the profile of. Laporta has been interested in bigger names. He wants people who, in theory, express that idea of the way that Barcelona play. I think we have to look at the influence of, of his business partners, in particular, uh, Jorge Mendes and that influence there. I think we will see him, him go to someone who, who he thinks he can 
project as exciting as um, having the gravitas, the authority, the 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 status, if you like, of being a Barcelona manager. It's not that easy to do, but I I I can see it. I can see it being someone of that ilk. So Tuco is the is the name that you're giving me. I, I want names here, Sid. I want names. I want you know possibilities. I want I want. To... I think that's a possibility. I I, I would I, you know the names that are being talked about in Spain for 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 those of our listeners who who are not following it from here. Um, obviously, Rafa Marquez is one of them, but I actually think he might have burnt his bridges by saying how keen he was. Yeah. I think I think that just just demonstrated a, a, a lack of tact to say the least. Now, for what it's worth, he's asked and he's in a difficult position and he probably doesn't know what to say and it's not the best answer. Thiago Motta is one that's been talked about. Obviously, Mitchell has been talked about, but it feels to me like the the, the natural progression for him is is more likely to be City than Barcelona. Or oh, that's not to say any guarantee there at all. Um, well, there was the other name. Klopp, as you say, is the kind of like the dream, but that's not happening now. Klopp has said himself they absolutely won't manage for the next year at least. Um, Luis Enrique basically said, I'm not talking about this when he was asked about it at PSG the other day. Although uh, not that long ago, Luis Enrique would have been quite happy to have come back to Barcelona. I'm not so sure anymore. Um, so, yeah, okay. I, I, th- I think he wants a name. You know what? Honestly, Luis Enrique wouldn't amaze me. It's not going to happen. Jose Mourinho isn't going to happen, is it? No, come on. No, of course it isn't, right? I mean, if it, if it, if, <laughs> no. Because a couple of people I mean, have asked be... me and I've just laughed and then... Yeah, I've laughed as well. It would be yeah. the most absurd thing. I mean... Ever. It would be a real kind of burn this place down decision, wouldn't it? Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's 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 definitely not happening. All right. Listen, we have dedicated the vast majority of this uh, podcast to... Uh, Xavi Hernandez leaving Barcelona. I think it is a, a story of sufficient uh, interest and importance to dedicate almost an entire uh, podcast to. So um, if you didn't want to hear anything about Xavi, uh, come and join us at patreon.com forward slash TSFP. <laughs> and we're going to do other stuff for the patrons. Yeah, but uh, you can guarantee, Phil, you can absolutely guarantee. And yeah. rightly so, by the way, I'm, I'm absolutely not criticising this, rightly so, that tomorrow's Q&A podcast will be full of Chavi questions as well, because there'll be things that we've missed out. And, and actually, everyone's fascinated by this. And, and I, I, as I say, it, it, it's a, in a way, the story that he's going is not big and not surprising. It's the way it no. happened that has surprised yes. us all. And the moment yes. in which it happened that surprised it all. Well, well, do send us questions on, on, on Chavi or anything else that you'd like us to answer. And we will do that in tomorrow's uh, Q&A podcast for... Uh, patrons patreon.com forward slash tsfp it's around four euros four dollars a month uh, pretty good value um we will do a bonus podcast as well later in the week to discuss the midweek fixtures because barcelona are in action on wednesday night against osasuna i've got a feeling they might win six nil sid i don't know i've got a feeling yeah funny yeah. isn't it and so yeah. and I, I guess this will take us back to our conversation about liberation maybe that would be yeah. the demonstration that there was a degree of liberation in this maybe Maybe, maybe. Uh, we've also got uh, Atletico Madrid against Rio and uh, Getafe against Real Madrid on uh, Thursday evening. And then everyone would have played the same number of games and we'll see whether or not Girona remain top of the table. Uh, thanks for joining us and we'll speak soon, amigos. Adios. Cheerio.
Sports Social Podcast Network.